What do you reflect him in thought, word, and deed? He's given each one of us so much to do. Thank you. If you have your Bible today, turn with me to Matthew 7. We're going to look beginning at verse 24. The title of the message today is The Values of Life. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, who builds his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. This morning, I want to talk with you about uh, why values are important. 
You know, we all have to choose between the values that we go by. Some want to live in the house that's built on the sand. And when the trials of life come, that house falls apart. Some want to build on the house that's on the rock. And, of course, that house will stand through everything. So today we're going to talk about the two sets of values, the values of the world and the values of the Word of God. And hopefully today, as we think about this and and examine this uh, carefully, uh, we'll come out on the right end. The Bible tells us that your values determine three things. Number one, they determine my stress. George Gallup did a survey and discovered that the number one stressor among the baby boomer group is not that we have... Uh, we don't have enough time, it's not that we don't have enough money, it's not that we have conflicts in our relational life, but the number one stressor is incongruent values. In other words, we say we believe one thing, but we live our life in another way. We say the family is very important to us. Surveys show that the average father in America doesn't spend more than five minutes a day talking to each one of his children. Five minutes a day, that's about it. We say families are very, very important. But we put work and almost everything else in front of our family. We say health is very, very important important to us. Do we watch our weight? No, most people don't. Do we eat the right foods? No, most people don't. Uh, Do we get plenty of exercise? No, most people don't. But we say that health is very, very important to us. We say materialism is bad. Are we saving our money? No, most people aren't. Are we spending everything we get? Yes, most people are. But we think that materialism is bad. We say God is in first place in our lives. Is he in first place in our schedule? We'd have to say, well, no, probably not. Is he in first place in our goals? Well, we would probably have to say, well, no, he's not. Is he in first place in our finances? We would probably say, well, no, he's probably not. But we say that God is in first place in our lives. When you have two competing values in your life, that's called a dilemma. You have a dilemma. And when both of them are competing for the priority in your life, it causes problems. Now, we either build our house on the rock or we build it on the sand. We, you know, we don't build them both places. We build it one or the other. We have to kind of settle in on one perspective of life. 
When you learn what is really important in life and you clarify your values, you come down to one, your stress level goes down dramatically and your peace of mind goes up dramatically. Number two, not only do your values determine your stress, they also determine your success. Tell me what you value, and I can tell you the direction of your life. If your mind is torn between two values, then you don't have the energy to complete your mission because you're torn in different directions. You can't be committed to anything because you're going here, going there, going here, going there. It's real hard. There's no success there. The third reason you need to know your values, because they affect your relationship to the Lord. They affect your salvation. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and to lose his own soul? Jesus is telling us that it is possible to be outwardly successful, but be inwardly bankrupt spiritually. What are you giving your life for? What are you giving your soul for? If you are a typical American, by the time you're 65 years old, you have watched TV for nine and a half years. Did you know that? Isn't that unbelievable? Is that what you want to give your soul for? Watching TV? What are you going to give your life for? These values are very, very important. Roman 2, what is the source of your values? When it comes down to it, you really have two options. You can either get your values from the Word of God, or you can get your values from the world. You will get your values from Christ, or you will get your values from culture. And when it comes down to American culture, you can summarize the value system by three words. I want us to go over these this morning. These are the values that the world says are very, very important. These are very important, they say. If you go after them, I can guarantee you that you will miss God's purpose for your life. I guarantee it. Okay, the first value of our society is pleasure. If it feels good, do it. Just as simple as that. We live in a very sensual society today. In fact, the number one industry in America today is entertainment. Did you know that? It's bigger than Exxon. It's bigger than anything. The entertainment world. Because we in America want to have a lot of fun. Society tells us to live for pleasure. Well, I think pleasure is great. I have a lot of pleasure in my life. I know you do. We want to have pleasure. There's nothing wrong with that. God tells us even how to have pleasure in the scripture. If you do this and this and this, your life will add up and your life will be a joy, not only to you but to others. If you make worldly pleasure the goal in your life, you will find out that it is elusive. It'll keep moving around. You will find yourself constantly going for the biggest reward 
in the lottery. The biggest gimmick that comes down the pike, the biggest thrill that we could possibly have. Pleasure is a big part of life, but it is not, and it is not to be the goal of your life. The second value of our culture is possessions. Our culture says, he who has the most toys wins. It's just that simple. We are consumed by consuming. We believe in life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. That's the way it goes. We are taught that our self-worth is determined by our net worth. And God says, wrong. That's wrong. Your net worth and your self-worth have nothing in common. Not one thing. Your values and your valuables have nothing in common. A mother was preparing pancakes for her two sons. She was just over there making them, and of course the boys were watching. Kevin, who was five, and Ryan, who was three, they were watching very carefully. And then they began arguing over who was going to get the first pancake. You know, that was real, real important. Their mother saw this as an opportunity to teach them about sharing. So the mother said to them, you know, if Jesus were sitting here, He would say this. He would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. Kevin turned to his younger brother, Ryan, and he said, Ryan, you be Jesus. (laughs) Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. If a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions, it just doesn't. Someone asked Howard Hughes, how much does it take to make a man happy? And Howard Hughes says, just a little bit more. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough of it. And so the Lord says, don't build your life around pleasure or around possessions. The third value in the world is prestige. Prestige is very, very important to a whole lot of Americans. Prestige or power or popularity or position. We're we're talking about status. We want everybody to look up to us. We want everybody uh, to understand that we are very important people. In our culture, uh, image uh, is everything. It's just everything. Image is it. We dress to impress. You can go into any store in America, and you can find uh, two cotton shirts. One of them has a little emblem on it, and it costs $40 more than the other one. And you say to yourself, well, let's see, 40 bucks more for the emblem. Why? If you buy it, you can say, I can afford the 40 buck emblem. That's why we get it. It's not a better shirt. Some people go around like a bunch of kids who say, watch me, daddy, watch me, watch me. We say to the world, watch me, watch me. I must be important because of the clothes that I wear. 
or the car that I drive or the house that I live in. So we live for fame and we live for celebrity. This is the appeal of all commercials. They want us to think that we are better if we have their product. Someone has said that when man invented the mirror, he began to lose his soul. Because when he invented the mirror, he became more concerned with his image than with his character. If you want to study a very, very interesting book in the Bible, study the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a real interesting book. It was written by the richest and most powerful man of that day, Solomon. Now, if you combined all the wealth in the world today of the ten richest men in the world, you know, that would include Buffett and Gates and the Waltons and, you know, all, all those people, the ten richest in the world. You would not match the riches that Solomon had. At the end of the book, Solomon summarizes all that he's written, and he says this, I have tried pleasure, I've tried possessions, I've tried prestige and power, and let me let you in on a secret. It's not there because I've got all that and I'm not happy. I'm not happy. It is meaningless and use, useless if you do not have a greater purpose in life than pleasure, possessions, and prestige. The problem is that most of the values that you have you didn't choose. They were forced on you by peer pressure. You remember when you were in high school, you wanted to have what everybody else had. You wanted to do what everybody else was able to do. When you were a young adult, a junior executive, you wanted to, to be in the, in the in crowd. You wanted to move with the movers. You wanted to shake with the shakers. Uh, you wanted to be there. You know, you automatically adopted the principles, the morals, the stands that they took. And you got caught up, guess what, in the rat race. The number one value creator is not parents. It's television. Television presents values that millions and millions and millions of Americans just accept. We just accept it. Well, that's the way it is. You know, we just accept it. I don't know how to say it any clearer than this. You will miss the life mission that you were created for if you get sucked in to the world's value system. Roman 3. Hopefully, by now, you're thinking about this question. How can I build my life on lasting values? Values that will stand like the house that's built on a rock, not the one that's built on the sand that falls down in the storms of life. Well, number one, we have to evaluate what is important. What I am suggesting to you is that you come up with a personal definition of success and that you stick with that, you hold on to that. 
Success is the feeling you get when you live out your values, not somebody else's values. Success is not a destination. Success is a journey. Very important difference. It's the feeling you get when you are living by the values that you know to be important. Don't let anyone else determine your values for you. You can be successful at any stage of life when it is based on your personal goals and values. Don't let anybody, don't let culture, don't let television, don't let the movie stars, don't let anybody determine for you what is success. Two, to be all that you were meant to be, you must first clarify what your values are. All of us have values, but most of us have never really sat down and thought about it. Said, now this is value number one, this is value number two, this is value number three. We have never strategically thought through the stands, the, the prioritization of our life, our values. I'd like for you to ask yourself these questions this morning. What do I value most? Now, if your golf clubs just came to mind, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in serious trouble. What do I value most? What type of person do I want to be in life? Most people really don't know what they are supposed to be. They just kind of go with the flow. You know, wherever society's going, that's where they're going. If you ask people what their goal is in life, they define it by what they have, not by what they want to be. You say to somebody, what is your goal in life? And they'll say, well, I want to pay off my mortgage. I want to pay off my car. I want to have a nice retirement. I want to have a lot of fun. That's basically it. They know what they want to have, but they don't know what they're supposed to be. Am I doing what I really care about doing? What is vitally important to me? If I were going to write something on my tombstone, what would it be? I worked uh, for a funeral home in Fort Worth years ago, and I had to go in all the cemeteries. And I would always, you know, as I was walking around out there, I'd read what was on all the tombstones. And a lot of them would, you know, have things like, uh, we loved him, we loved her, and then their names. Uh, you know, sometimes it's, I love America. Sometimes it's, you know, this, that, the other. Every once in a while, you, you read one, and it has something on there that's a little different. You know, I saw one one time, it says, I won. I thought that was very interesting. I won. If we were to write a letter to our kids, what would we put in that letter about what should be important in your life? If you're going to write a letter to your grandkids or your great-grandkids, what would be in your letter? This is really important. One, two, three, four. What in my life is trivial and what is essential? 
What should I hold on to and what should I let go of? The key here, of course, is perspective. Perspective means taking the long look at your life. In the future, you look back and you ask yourself, what mattered the most in my life? You can eliminate a lot of trivia in your life by asking yourself, how will this affect my life 10 years from now? Over the past 52 years, I've sat with a lot of folks that were having troubles, and they're fussing about this and fussing about that. And I say to them, 10 years from now, how important will this be? Is it, is it real important? Will it be important 10 years from now? And sometimes people kind of sit back and they think for a minute, no, it probably won't be important at all. And then the tenor of the, of the moment goes down a lot as they calm down. The one question that will help you clarify your values is this. What is going to last? What's going to be here? Let's take that question and apply it to the three primary values of our culture. Pleasure, let's take that first. Does pleasure last? No, it doesn't. It's fun for a while, but it doesn't last. Hebrews 11.25 says, there's pleasure in sin for a season. For a season. You know, the seasons change. The thing I like about the Bible is that it is straight up. You know, it it doesn't kind of wander around. It always says what it is. It always tells the truth. It says there's pleasure in sin. It doesn't beat around the bush. It says sin is uh, fun. But it, if it were a bummer, then nobody would do it. Nobody would sin if sin was a bummer. But it also says uh, that pleasure lasts just a short while. It doesn't last. You sow what you reap. If you reap it, you know then you've gotten what you sowed a lot earlier. How many people do you know that have gone out for an hour and just ruined their whole life? Torn up the relationship with their kids? Torn up their relationship with their wife or their husband? Their friends? Their church? They just tore it all up for an hour. You have the cause... And then you have the effect. How about possessions? Do possessions last? 1 Timothy 6, 7 says, we, bought, we brought nothing into the world and we take nothing out of the world. Did you know that morticians have a special suit that they put on people that are going into the casket? Did you know that? Do you know the difference between those suits and the suits that Ed's wearing and you're wearing this morning? The suits at the funeral, they don't have any pockets in them. You don't need any pockets. You don't need one thing in your pocket. That's just a waste of money to put pockets in them. Possessions don't last. You either pass them on to the next generation or you pass them on to your church or you pass them on to the government. How about prestige and power? Do they last? Will prestige and power last forever? No. You can be a hero one minute and a zero the next minute. 
you can be on the cover of Sports Magazine this week, and six months from now, nobody will know who you were. You know, these uh, professional athletes, they can be on the front page of the Tampa Tribune. And, you know, they look real good and everything. You know, the average uh, professional athlete lasts about five years. A few of the really good ones, like Jeter, you know, he, he lasted much longer. So, you know, some, uh, you know, maybe 20% last 10 years. And then maybe 5% last, you know, five more years. Very, very few. It doesn't last. Stars rise and fall. Have you heard a lot about Lindsay Lohan lately? No, no. John 2, 17 says, The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. We rarely take time to evaluate our values until we have a crisis. When a crisis comes in our life, we sit down and we think about what in the world is going on here. When things are going great, we don't think about the tough questions of life. When we're cruising through life and everything is a victory, everything is a promotion, everything is more of this and more of that, you don't stop and ask, well, where is life going? You just don't do that. God has to come into our life and intersect our path and finally get our attention. A crisis comes into our life, and then we begin to, to, to listen a little bit. Maybe that time is now for somebody that's here this morning. It's right now. You're in a time that is very, very difficult in your life. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're asking yourself, is this all there is? I want to say to you, congratulations. I'm not grateful for your pain, but I am thankful that God has your complete attention. When he gets your attention, then you are in the mood to ask the tough questions that I'm talking about this morning. Before you can discover God's purpose, you must first eliminate what's not important. Romans 12, 2 says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. He's talking about your values. Number three, concentrate on eternal values. Once you determine what's important, you, then you begin to bring your life in line with those things that really matter. What does last? 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, Now these three things last forever. Faith, hope, and love. They last forever. We need to have those things obviously on our list. If you have love in your life, then uh, it, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, and that just goes on. You may find people who make more money, you may find some folks who are more famous, but that should not affect your happiness because those things don't last. Proverbs 21.21 says, He who pursues, pursues righteousness and love finds, guess what now, guess what? This is the heart of it. Pleasure, prosperity, and prestige. 
Those are the things that everybody in this world is looking for. The scripture says, if you pursue those things uh, in righteousness and in love, you'll get them. Notice the benefits. The very three things that the world spends all of its time pursuing. God says, I'll give them to, to you if you get your priorities right. We are in turbulent times. God uh, gives us an eternal compass to go by. It's his word. If you base your values on God's word and the things that last, then it will always point you in the right direction. I cannot imagine some of the circumstances that our kids, grandkids, great-grandkids are going to face. Think what's happened in the last 20 years. If we have 20 more years like that, we're going under. I mean going under. Maybe in less time than 20 years. Some people say, how about tomorrow? I can't make decisions for my grandkids, my great-grandkids, but I can teach them the values so when they are in hard situations, they'll have a basis upon which to make the right decision. Let me ask you this morning, what are you living for? What are you going to live for in the future? You have two options. You can either build your life around temporary values, like the house that's built on the sand, or you can build your life around eternal values, like the house that sits on the rock. Those things are going to last. Jesus is eternal. He's not a fad. Jesus established his church, and it's going to stand until the end of human life. It's going to be here. What I'm pleading for today is if there's someone in the house that has never given their heart and life to Christ, that you would do it today. Don't put it off another moment. Do it today. What I'm pleading for is if you're here, you've got some talents, some gifts that God has given you, don't you want to be using those in the service of the king? Don't you want those to amount to something? to count for something in the world in which we live. We're going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to stand down at the front, and I'm going to wait, hopefully, on you to slip out and slip forward and take a stand for Christ this morning, to become a Christian, to join his church, to do however it is that God would be leading you. I pray that you'll do it. Let's stand together as we sing.